We asked, you voted. Which restaurant did you, the listeners, vote for us to try next? Find out next on... Welcome to another episode of Burn Appetit. I am your titular host, Burn Appetit. And as always, I am joined by my two co-hosts from Three Beers and a Mic and Three Beers and MCU. Name still pending. Please welcome to the show, Dwayne and Scott. Say hello, fellas. Hello, fellas. Ahoy. That's that's my new catchphrase. I've been working <laughs> on. You're sticking Just with that it. one from I'm time. sticking with ahoy, yeah. That's fine. Well, guys, this week we have a super special guest, and I know I say that every episode, and I'm going to be honest, 90% of the time I'm lying to you, but this time I mean it. <laughs> he is executive chef and general manager at Service Bar here in Columbus, Ohio. You can also see him compete on Top Chef Season 18 Portland, streaming now on Bravo TV. Please welcome to the show, Avishar. Welcome to the show, Avishar. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for taking time out and uh, joining our little show here. I appreciate it. So our first segment I like to call Pretty Woman. And that is where we let you, our guests, try on all the hats that I just talked about. You sure. get to model them off for us. Um, this is our ninth episode, I think. And I don't even know if that's a good reference to Pretty Woman or not. I've just been saying it. <laughs> 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 it makes sense, right? She tries on like dresses and hats and stuff, right? Sure, yeah, we'll, we'll go with it. <laughs> um, so let's start from the beginning. You originally went to school and got bachelor's degrees in biology and psychology, correct? That is correct. What was the plan before you started and pivoted towards your passion of cooking? I mean, the plan was always kind of not really a plan. It was just a decision that was made for me in advance. Uh, culturally, it was once you go to college you're going to find a professional career. So it's going to be medicine first, if your dad's a doctor, which mine is. If not, then, yeah. you know, you find uh, something in, uh, like, hard fifth is business, but second, there's, like, you want lawyer or something else like that. So you want to go to a professional program, and then you come back afterwards. Uh, you go to school, you make sure you make the money first, and then you get to make the decisions afterwards. Oh, okay. So um, what what caused the shift into cooking? Did you did you actually work for a little bit before you went to culinary school? Or uh, I mean, I've been working my entire school. life since I was basically five years old. Like, my uncle's at a convenience store, and I've spent most of my time, like, I went from stocking candy to talking to guests to I was excited to be able to sell someone, like, cigarettes and beer at the first time because I was old enough to sell that. Like, that's that was my background. It wasn't a – I've always worked uh, at least one job, if not two jobs, usually two jobs. Sometimes three in college I had two. Um, wow. None of them were cooking jobs. They were always just uh, – just family business or things that I had to do. And, you know, that was just, uh, I was never someone that was like, Hey, you're given an allowance. It was, you kind of have to work for what you want to get, which is why cooking is interesting. Cause you don't make that much. So, you know, it's, it's not like a <laughs> ideal career path or something to get through, but it was, uh, it was definitely something I learned from. Um, yeah. When I went to college and I, I took the classes, I took the MCAT and near the end of it, I was just having having hard time just understanding why I was taking a test that was judging my ability to take a test. Um, and then I was thinking about the fact that I have people's lives in my hand and I am a pretty clumsy person. So maybe not the best career path for me. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm, you know, there, there may have been other things. And then, you know, psychology was a, was a fun thing for me because uh, people mm -hmm. sometimes talk to me about the problems and I'd like to have answers, but I'd like to have correct answers, not ones that I made up. So because you, you have a lot of power in that in that career path. 
But uh, mm-hmm. I talked to my friends whose parents were psychologists, and they suggested that you stay away from psychology. You know, uh, your, <laughs> your kids will end up messed up, so don't do that. And I was like, okay, I'll take your advice. Uh, I'll keep it as a hobby. Um, so the cooking thing was, um, I literally just bought a cookbook when I got to college because my mom used to cook me all the time. I had no idea how difficult it was. Um, I didn't, again, I didn't do like the old stereotypical, oh, I'm going to be a chef. I grew up always wanting to be a chef. I used to cook beside my mom. That was never the case. Uh, it was oh, always okay. just like, you know, um, she makes the food. I would uh, make the rice and the water. And that was it. And that was just part of the process. It wasn't something that you enjoyed to do. Uh, when I went to college, I realized that I had to make my own food. So the first time I wanted to make something, I was like, oh, well, I'll have the freedom to make whatever I want to. Um, let me make something that I don't get at home normally. So I went to the library. The Columbus Library is a pretty sick library over here. Uh, they have everything available. But I got a book called Chinese Cooking for Dummies. Because, um, you know, I'm a dummy, so I figured I'd read the damn book. Uh, and it was uh, Martin Yan, who was a very, very cool chef. That was from PBS. I was like, cool, this is his book. Let me let me see how to, how to do this stuff. I followed the directions and set my apartment on fire almost uh, twice. So uh, at that wow. point, I realized that maybe this is what I want to do my entire life. You know, that was, uh, one of the, that was the start of it. I was like, this, this, is, kind of, this is really tough and hard, but uh, the results can be rewarding because I could actually make Chinese food uh, myself. Yeah. Instead of just saying I have to get it from this restaurant. And I got more and more into it, and I realized that everything that I did in my life kind of applies towards that direction. Uh, the science background is useful. Psychology is very useful because uh, usually in restaurants you have staff. Um, not nowadays, mm-hmm. but back in the day you have staff. And uh, you have to be their psychologist, honestly. You have to be the sociologist. You have to be a plumber. You have to be a therapist. You have to be everything when, when you need to be. That's what it takes to be a chef these days. So uh, all wow. stuff I, I learned from. But uh, that was the, kind of the, the start was I took that MCAT, and I was like, I, this is not for me. Let me try to cook. My parents said, you're not doing that. And I was like, I, I don't want to be a doctor. And they didn't believe me. They thought that, okay, well, maybe cooking might be a phase for him. So they're like, just go to the best school you can. Uh, I got into CIA, did not go to CIA. I went to Columbus State instead because I wanted to work on the job because I had just gone to school for the last, I don't know, like 16 years of my life. So I was kind of tired of school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the pathway. And here, that's how I got here. Wow. That's a super interesting uh... I'm going to call it an origin story. Um, <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a weird story. I don't think I'm that awesome. Um, but yeah. Well, he, he uh, also thought it was a dangerous job with all the fire. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Fire. There's, I mean, like I said, we have the same hours as uh, as doctors. We just don't make as much because we have uh, a different risks. Wow. Going to the library and uh, renting out books and stuff to learn how to cook is, that's. I mean, that's awesome. Um, my question was going to be, like, what inspired you to cook? Parents, grandparents? um did you live with a horde of rats in an old French lady's house and watch a chef on TV like Ratatouille? Uh, <laughs> when that came out, that was actually interesting. That was uh, that was one of the two movies that I would say, like, there's a lot of movies about cooking, uh, unfortunately, because most of them are terrible. Um, I'm not going to go and talk about which ones are terrible because I'm saying most of them are terrible. The ones that are pretty good, though, is uh, like if you watch like Ratatouille, there's some moments in Ratatouille that you go, yeah, they, they nailed it on the head exactly what we want to do or how you want to get to where you want to go. And the second one was uh, the chef movie was very good, too. It was very awesome in kind of explaining how we think of things and how we go through stuff because you know you mm-hmm. see a chef that's in a restaurant getting everything he wants and they're saying oh, i'm gonna buy the stove but at the end of the day he chooses to do a food truck that's really cool the only inaccuracy with that movie is that's that's a happy ending and we never get those so <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he uh he had um roy Choi on pretty much on set like as a consultant for that movie. yeah too. uh john is awesome like he actually like he went and cooked and did all those things himself to be in your own movie mm-hmm. and make about cooking it shows that it's you know he has a lot of passion for it and he you know he did visit yeah. franklin barbecue and he got all those things and I mean, they had that show right after they had the chef show right after that. And it was pretty, pretty cool mm-hmm. to see it kind of continue. Yeah, I love that show. On also, he like, cooked for Carl Johannes at some point, which is pretty badass. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he uh, he has like all the Avengers um, that he's cooking for in his uh, Netflix chef show or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um. So you finished culinary school and then you went to train under Wiley Dufresne in New York City at WD50. 
how do, how does that work when you graduate? Do you just apply to train at a <laughs> restaurant and then do you like audition for it or how does that work? Uh, restaurant life's a little bit. I mean, it's kind of like an audition, but it's different in some ways. So when you do the cooking path, honestly, the school thing was was something I didn't. The degree did not help me get a job uh, in the industry. I, the reason I got a job in the industry is because of my program that I chose. I, you know, I got into CIA, but I went to Columbus State. Columbus State was a three-year chef apprenticeship, so I had three years under my belt. Of I did every station in a restaurant. I became a mm-hmm. sous chef. I was the chef of Veritas, like over in, in Delaware. Um, and at that time, we actually had gotten best restaurant um, in Columbus. We were outside 270, but I was just. I wasn't satisfied with it. I was like, I'm young. I'm stupid. There's no way this is the best that we can do. We can always do better. So let mm-hmm. me go to New York and get my ass kicked and see what's going on. And the way that works is uh, basically um, you you fill out a form. Um, you wait. No, you don't do that at all. You just show up and you hope that you get a job. Uh, I had no savings. I had no chance. And my WD-50 job was actually an accident. It wasn't It wasn't something that I planned on. Um, I went because I saw a Twitter post for a job opening at a restaurant called Mission Chinese Food. And I had their cookbook. And I thought it was really badass. Uh, so I reached out and I was just like, hey, uh, can I come in? It's called, it's called a stodge. Uh, you come in there and you just work for a day, usually mm-hmm. for free. Um, I don't think it's ever anything's free. It's just, uh, you know, you learn something in the process for sure. But you do that. And if you do a job well, they'll say, hey, um, we'll hire you. If you don't do a good job, they'll say, we won't hire you. Thanks for the free labor. You know, that's just the way that used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, it's not the same. But back then, that's the way it was. Um, I did that. Uh, I didn't think I was going to get the job because, you know, I'm from Columbus, Ohio. I'm not from, I don't have like this background that all of these chefs do. And this is like Danny Bowen just got a James Beard for Rising Star Chef Award that year. So they were, they were come up and coming. It was probably the worst time for me to go there and apply for a job, but uh, I did. Um, and I did okay enough for them to say that I got a job. So I started working there and I was really excited. Uh, my first day there, the Department of Health came and shut us down. So then I was really not excited because <laughs> I had uh, stuck in New York for like at least a year. You know, I was like, what am I going to do? Uh, you know, rent is not cheap here. And also I have mm-hmm. like, you know, no, nowhere else to go and I can't just give up. I got to figure something out. So I basically uh, waited it out. I did some stodges in some other restaurants, which was a lot of fun. But then uh, I was down to my last, last, last like few weeks, and they had reopened. And I was like, "Cool, I can get my job back." And I did. Um, and then they shut down again, but this time permanently. So that was uh, wow. <laughs> that was a, a tough, tough start. Uh, but you know, they say New York doesn't really give a shit about you. That's correct. Um, that's, uh, <laughs> they didn't care. They're just like, "Hey, this is, this is what's going to have to happen. Is you you have to find a job. We're going to do something else." Um, so I had a couple hundred bucks in my account. It was under two hundred dollars, so let me let me be generous by saying it was a couple hundred bucks. But it was sitting in there, and uh, I was like, I got, I got, I'm going to go and experience something in New York while I'm here. So I, uh, I was walking back home. We were down in the Lower East Side, and I was on Orchard Street, and I passed Clinton Street, uh, and I walked down Fifty, and I was like, Oh, WD Fifty. That's a, I know that restaurant. That'd be cool. I they probably don't have any rest hosts, so I'll just you know maybe I'll go sit at the bar or something. Um, and the dining room was booked out, but the bar was open, so I sat at the bar and I started talking to the bartender. I was like, Hey, can I have a meal here? He's like, Yeah, of course you can. It's a, you can sit up here and do that. So I did a tasting menu at the bar. Uh, the bartender ended up actually being Bengali. So he started speaking to Bengali. He's like, hey, what are you doing in New York? I was like, I, what are you doing in New York? And it started becoming a conversation. But by the end of the meal, they had found out where I'd worked. And they were like, hey, cool. You want to come and see the kitchen? And I saw that kitchen. I was like, holy sh! Like, this I've never seen anything like that in my entire life. It was a Bonet range, which is basically like, it would be like having like a Bugatti as your as your stove. Like that's what you come mm-hmm. to come to see every day, and you get to use that. And they had this awesome crew of just people that were cleaning it, and it was shiny and and spotless and stuff of dreams. You see that, and you're like, holy crap! It'd be crazy to work here. Uh, I didn't think I could work there, but I was like, hey, you guys take any stages? And I'm like, yeah, we can give you a stage. You work here, you know, you have to do a minimum of two weeks. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'll do two weeks savory, two weeks pastry. Uh, just see what I can learn. Um, they said there's no opening for jobs. So I kind of knew going into that I was not going to get the job. But by the end of the time, by complete happenstance, I got called to do <laughs> kind of like an emergency event where uh, Chef Wiley was catering an event for his, like, it was like his, his wife's brother. Or, like it was someone, it was like two steps down in the family. But I was just down there doing a boring task. And he's like, hey, can you come help me? I was like, 
I don't think I have a choice, so I'm just going to go and do it. But we ended up like catering, catering a wedding out of a place that wasn't a restaurant uh, and nothing was right, but we made it happen. Uh, and mm-hmm. I guess I did, I did okay enough at that event that he's like, Hey, uh, what are you doing next? And I was like, well, I plan on just running out and we come back to Ohio, you know, and it's going to be the, that's it. I had a good time in New York and they're like, well, he's like, no, you can work here. And I was like, I, okay. You know, like, well, I'm not going to argue with you. You're the <laughs> chef here. So whatever. And I was thinking in my head, I was like, what does that mean? Cause they're fully staffed. And, uh, he's like, well, you can come and work at Oliver, which is a new restaurant. It was like a small plates cocktail. Restaurant. I was like, cool. I'll get, I'll get a chance to work at that restaurant. It's really neat. That was one of the places I wanted to go to as well. I get back to the restaurant and Chef Sam was like, hey, uh, you don't get to work there. You work you work here at WD. And I was like, oh, shit, what are you going to do? And then, uh, unfortunately, they fired a, a line cook that was from Cleveland, uh, who's actually a good friend of mine now. Uh, but they fired him and they put me on. And I was like, damn, like that, that was crazy. I, mean, I guess that's how New York life works. You know, it was mm-hmm. um, I worked there. And that's how I started my process there. It was a complete accident. I'm still not sure they made the right decision, but I'm happy to get the chance. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a reservation booked, me and my wife did, for WD-50 oh, 10 plus years ago. So we traveled to New York. We get there. Some hurricane is hitting the city that weekend where they shut down the entire city. The subways are shut down. This is like the first time in forever they shut down the subways. Reservation canceled. Didn't get to go. Uh, the only place that was open was like this little Irish pub that was having like a hurricane party that weekend. So, so we <laughs> ate our meals at this right, Irish yeah. pub <laughs> and then just flew home. So yeah, well, um, I mean, it was one of those experiences that I, I will say like, yeah, I've eaten at a lot of restaurants, but they, what you will see is they've actually influenced a lot of other restaurants and what they've done. A lot of very mm-hmm. respectable chefs have eaten there and, and learned some things. Um, and he always, he always challenged people's palate. Uh, you know, he was a philosophy dude. So he's like, hey, I'm going to make you question yourself when you come and eat here. It wasn't always like, I'm just going to make everything amazing. It was uh, very much confusing stuff. And it was really cool to be a part of that. Uh, when I think it was actually peaking, like it was, there were so much crazy things that were, I turned like carrot puree into a ravioli and filled it with an almond gel and then served it with like a bear bread granola. It was insane. Like, I, I, what the mm-hmm. hell? Like, you know, it doesn't make any sense, <laughs> but I, but I did it and it was really good. Um, so it was, it was neat to see the, that like sort of mindset and see how you could, do that in a restaurant in New York City, um, in the Lower East Side, yeah. which was not a great part, but he was an anchor for the neighborhood almost at that time. So, it was cool yeah. to see. that was kind of my next question. Um, what was the pressure like moving to New York City and then um, just training under such a legend of the industry and such an innovator of the industry too, um, in a Michelin star restaurant? Um, I never thought I would ever qualify to work in a Michelin star restaurant. So, of course, there's that. And I have a lot of mm-hmm. uh, self-esteem and doubt issues. So none of that was something that was like, oh, you know, I was just like, man, I really fake my way into here or something. It was always more like mm-hmm. that mindset. But once I was there, I realized that I actually was not too out of place. The biggest issue that I had was my own confidence because, you know, you do stuff and do a repetition. And the New York lifestyle is different. Uh, when you work mm-hmm. in a restaurant, sometimes it's like a, a team effort. When you work in a restaurant in New York, sometimes it's uh, I'm going to walk all over you because I want to advance over you. So when I got in yeah. there, I got put into Garmanger station. Um, and typically you have to work in prep kitchen for about a year until you get there. So I don't think that was, I don't think that was uh, <laughs> the smartest thing to do for, for me personally, because I, I made a lot of enemies very quickly because I mean, I didn't choose it, but no one, they're like this new guy came in here and he's working this. There's no fucking way. You know, that was, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's PG channel, but it was, it was nope, a very, swear all you <laughs> very interesting. Uh, <laughs> I only do when it means something. So I, I try to keep it light. Uh, I'm not, not a typical, typical swear, but you know, I'm passionate about life. So, yeah, that was mm-hmm. uh, I got I got walked on quite a bit. Um, a lot of people had a lot of stuff to say, but the thing with with Wiley was whenever I, or Chef Wiley was whenever I talked to him, it was um, 
I talk to him like a human being because I already had some chef experience behind my back. And when I work with uh, Danny Bowen over at Mission Chinese, he made it a point to, that anytime someone that famous came in, we would serve them and we would talk to them. He's like, you're going to have to do this shit at some time anyway. Like, you need to mm-hmm. you need to know how to talk to people as people, not as like these gods that are here. We're all people. And if they're coming here, yeah. they're coming for us, right? And you made this food, so why don't you talk to them? Um, and that made it a lot easier. Plus, working in a convenience store for 25 years also helped us <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it was a very, uh, I, I started to realize that a lot of the chefs over there, like, they don't really like it when you're like, hey, celebrity chef this. They're like, they're more interested in like, hey, how was your day? What's going on? Like not, hey, what do you think of fried mayonnaise today? Like that's not, there's <laughs> people too. We're all people, right? Like we have a job and we do stuff in our job, but also yeah. we want to we want to make connections with people. And Wiley was very good with meaningful connections and stuff. That's cool. Um, what situation was, do you feel more pressure in? That situation about being a newbie in New York, Michelin star restaurant, or bringing a dish to a potluck for like family and friends. Um, they're, they're both uh, different pressures <laughs> in their own ways. I don't typically cook for my family. I do on holidays cause you know, it's my job. So I'm just so, like, I, as much yeah. as I'd love to love to do it when I get back, I just want to sleep when I get back. Like maybe I'll go and find if there's like something I can steal from a restaurant, but uh, they're all very high pressure situations. I think uh, cooking uh, at WD was, I've never felt that level of anxiety of my life because you know, you really, you're being tested every single day and you don't really know like, am I good enough? Am I good enough? Am I good enough? And the self doubt does start to eat at you. Like I got sent home one day and when you get sent home, you go like, they're literally telling me that they're sending me home and the sushi is going to do my job because I didn't do a good enough job. And that does mm. not feel good. That sticks with you for your entire life. Like that's like, yeah, sure. I feel like a piece of shit. Like, you know, like it's, it's, it's miserable because mm-hmm. you feel like you've disappointed everyone. Um, and when you mm-hmm. disappoint someone there, you know, it's like you're letting the team down and that's, that's a, uh, Something I don't encourage uh, these days when I when I when I have a restaurant and, and I'm the chef, um, I try not to make anyone feel that way because I still am having a hard time with some of those days. I'm like, damn, like I must have really sucked, you know. It's like being a parent trying to parent differently than your parents for the next generation. Of I mean, honestly, that's what it is. Is I tell everyone, I was like, dude, I'm not married, but I have like 25 kids. Like all my staff is my kids. That's what I care about, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I try to make their lives better. There's some of them are older, some of them are younger, but it's like, what can I do to? to improve the situation for them because we're all in this together, I believe. So, Yeah. So what does Avishar make for himself? Let's say you come home, long day of work. You want to make like a quick bite of something. What are you making for yourself? Uh, so typically the hour that I'm getting home, I'm probably stopping at Taco Bell on the way home, honestly. Uh, there's no like, I don't want to like go home and, and make something because again, like I'm so tired of doing, doing the dish. Yeah, of course, that's, that's, I mean, one of my greatest achievements I would say is when Taco Bell's like, hey, uh, come, you made an item based off our menu item we love that come and come and see us in Irvine, California. We're going to take you to Taco oh, Bell. No I like, that's it. Yeah, I actually went to Taco Bell headquarters. It was one of the coolest experiences of my entire life. I thought I was being, oh, sued. So I thought I was being sued by them because I got a social media message similar to like the one that you sent. I was like, oh, uh, and he's like, I am the chef of, of Taco Bell. I was like, oh God, what's happening? They're going to sue me. They're going to sue me. And he's like, we saw that you made this cheesy brisket crunch. And I was like, oh God, here it comes. And he's like, we think it's pretty badass. Uh, you should come and see uh, how we make our stuff too. And, you know, we'd like to talk to you. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I thought it was some kind of joke or like I'd get there and get shot or something. But it was actually, uh, it was legit. He's like, there's no like ploys. He's like, we really just think we think you're awesome. So come and check it out. Um, and to this day, I was like, that's, you know, I grew up eating Taco Bell. It's something that was dear to me in my childhood because it was, it was pretty inexpensive and you know we try to be cheap on food so uh, mm-hmm. that was like a special occasion thing that and chinese food were the two things we ate so it was kind of meaningful to go there and see like hey this is how we make all of our tacos we actually have the original taco bell inside of this taco bell plastic wrapped like all that stuff i got to see like the <laughs> test kitchen i got to see all those things um they're international kitchens and it's, it's neat to see like how big of an operation it is and also like you know oh, they man. love they love ohio too so we're one of the test markets yeah Bert, bernie is so jealous right now 
<laughs> you don't understand. Right That's like my dream. It's one Glenbell way, Irvin, California's address. And yeah, once you walk in there, it is just as cool, if not cooler than you might think. They have like a little history of Taco Bell museum thing where you walk through and it shows you when each menu item was created and who created yeah. it. Yeah. They have like all the cantina um, stuff, like all the booze machines and stuff too. So it's cool. Conan O'Brien an employee there um, and filmed all that stuff before. And um, they actually have this thing where they have testers. Um, in chairs with like this wall in front of them, like the employees will come down to test an item, and it, they're like in these yeah, like, the panel. Cubicles. It. Yeah, it's basically a psychology and testing then, panel. Yeah. Then, yeah, it's like a psychology test where like people are like watching them like try the food and stuff, and like there's like that you can like Conan would like lift up the panel and he would sit there and just watch the employee like taste these tacos and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I would actually ask about it because I was, I was like, so your test markets, are you allowed to pool an audience between one and five in the morning? Because, you know, there's a specific audience. Like to get there late. I'm not, you know, I have no comment, but there's some people that are under different mental states that so do, are you allowed to test it on them? And he's like, well, we're not allowed to, but we're allowed to control when we do our tests. So, you know, like, so there, so I, what wink. I believe is he's saying is it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely addressed, but it's uh, what I will say about Taco Bell is out of all the, and I swear they're not paying any money for this, uh, but out of all the fast food places that I've been to, they're the only ones that nail texture contrast. Like they have crunchy, soft, hot, cold, savory, spicy, sweet, all in one bite. So I know like they're, they're the one that at all the fast food joints that have the highest uh, population of college students and females actually that uh, that eat them. No, there's it's like it blows everyone else away. So um, that's it's something to be said about that. It's pretty cool. Preaching to the choir, my man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, like I we just, could both be having talk about the same time for like under five dollars, and it's the exact. It's probably going to be almost the exact same. So it's pretty neat to yeah. have that consistency as a chef. Like you strive for making everyone's experience the same. Fast food has nailed it in an affordable, you know, an affordable amount of money. So it's I think it's instead of saying that, hey this sucks, be like hey. Look at how how cool it is what they did across the entire world. Yeah, no, it's insane. Like McDonald's is the same no matter where you go. Yeah, pretty much anywhere in the world too. I've had for the uh, the ice cream machines. Yeah, that's that's a yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've had McDonald's in China and it tastes exactly like it does here. That's just insane. Yeah, because it's different sourcing too. So it's a lot. It takes a lot more for them to do that over there. (laughs) Excuse me. That's crazy. Um, I just always think it's funny to like picture Jose Andre coming home and like making himself like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That's, I mean, that's more of the thing that happens is because once you're, oh, when, you're sure. done, yeah, when you're done cooking, like again, like, yeah. you know, you could, you could have your job and you're, you could be like a doctor and you're not going to go and be like, let me tell you what's wrong with you. Like I just call someone else, you know, like that's it. Yeah. Or like, you know, or you're a teacher when you're teaching, you don't go home and you start teaching your kids. You're like, just go to bed, you know, damn it. Like, you know, I'm yeah, tired. exactly. So, I mean, or, I love cooking, but it's also just like I also don't like doing dishes. So, like, I do them all day. <laughs> I don't want to go home and do even more dishes. So, if it's something that I make at home, it's usually pretty simple. If it's for family, I'll, I'll take a couple steps. But it, uh, my mindset has changed since I've done it more professionally. Before, I was always like, it's got to be good because I'm a chef. Now, it's like, let me just make food. Like, like seriously. Like, yeah. And usually, it actually comes out better when you're like, let me just make food because then you're happier when you're cooking. Um, when you're happier yeah. than you're cooking, it's a lot better than if you're nervous or worried about it. Interesting. So, let's talk about Service Bar. Um, your menu, for those who don't know, has a wide variety of flavors, spices from all over. You have not pad thai, you have duck, tacos, crawfish etouffee, which is my absolute favorite dish oh, I've had in Columbus. Awesome. I'm glad you like it. That was a, that was one of my originals actually. So I don't think I've had had that before in my life. So I was wondering how that would work out. <laughs> oh, it was it was like the first bite of it was just like a punch in the face of flavor and garlic and oh my god was i took one bite and i just put down the fork I was like oh my god this is freaking amazing yeah when we made that it was like, yeah 
Sorry, go ahead. I used to live in Houston for a couple of years and we'd always go over to New Orleans and stuff for, on like long weekend trips. And that's like one of my favorite food cities is Louisiana. No matter where you go, the food's going to be awesome. I love always crawfish, here. etouffee, all that stuff. And your crawfish etouffee on those noodles. Oh my. Amazing. But you yeah. have smash sliders, like um, all sorts of stuff. So how would you describe your cuisine? Like, is that considered like new American? I have, honestly, yeah, it's one of the things that, I challenge people to tell me because I haven't found a good answer from anyone. They're just like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's eclectic. It's got all these flavors. It's familiar. It's, I mean, the thing that I can say is, I mean, it's, it is both surprising and familiar. So maybe it's surprisingly familiar. I don't know. Like, you know, cause <laughs> it is, it is something that like, I don't try to alienate or guess ever. I try and go off flavors. If flavors are good. Then I think everything else is pretty easy afterwards. Um, but I don't go light on flavor. Um, and if something is comfortable, like if it's like, Hey, you're going to get this burger. I'm going to put something in there that's not comfortable to make you try it. Cause otherwise you're going to go to any other restaurant and get the exact same thing. If it's something that's uncomfortable, yeah. like for instance, say like sweetbreads, yeah, I'll make it look like a chicken nugget. You know, like that's, I just want people to eat it. Cause I mean, I also grew up in Columbus, Ohio. So it's not like I have some advanced palate. I have the same palate as everyone else's, I think. And if mm-hmm. I'm able to like these things, I, I think the biggest thing is like, <clears throat> or sometimes afraid to try things. Let's make it accessible for you to put in your mouth. And then you can make the decision afterwards. Right. We try and go mm-hmm. off flavor first, and like that crawfish dish was one of those. Like you know, we make everything in the house. Like we made that, we extrude that pasta. It's not like pasta that we buy. Um, mm-hmm. That machine costs six thousand dollars for us to just make pasta for a dish, but that's how far we go. And we use our spent mm-hmm. grain from the distillery in that. It's a a big story behind it, but none of that really matters. All that matters is, do you think it was good? Because if you think it's good, then it's like, yeah, then it's worth it. Of course, then I'll keep doing yeah. it. Um, and I don't really know how to put that into cuisine. I think it's just we're just trying to shoot for good food that's, uh, you know, inspired by my memories because i think again like we all have very similar memories and it's sometimes difficult when you go to a restaurant and you're like oh this all looks good and it's very fancy plated but i don't can't identify with these flavors um mm-hmm. and being told how to eat my food it's like that's fine if you're not paying for it <laughs> if you're paying for it you should, get some, <laughs> you should get something that you're familiar with it's something that you like right like i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah um you know like those like have you ever eaten at like one of those uh like blindfolded restaurants oh man like uh, pitch black ones <laughs> Uh, I, I, you know, I, I did eat at a medieval times once and it was pretty dark in there. So I didn't know what the hell I was eating, but, but also my, also my night, died, I, my night died. So I was very distracted by that. I was like, come on, or like, why do they always give me the losing night? I don't understand this stuff. <laughs> the chicken's always good hands. though. Yeah, it is. Um, they, and they make that in like quantities of like a thousand at once. Like they are doing an amazing job putting out food for that many people that are really upset or really happy, you know? <laughs> That's funny. Um, I know everything on your menu is like your baby. But I'm going to have to uh, ask you to do a little Sophie's Choice here, if you don't sure. mind. And um, if you had to pick one item off your menu, what is your favorite? What's your uh, favorite to make and what's your favorite like to eat? Um, I mean, my favorite to make currently, because uh, it, it is a very difficult, like it's one of the, we try and nail things down to very precise processes where even if you have no idea what you're doing, you should still be able to execute it, which is very difficult on our end to do. Uh, we do all of in the prep end. But my favorite that's, I think, is like, that would symbolize us pretty well as I think like between our chicken and our duck, one of those two are pretty good. The duck I like because it's kind of a triumph because I was always told that I could never sell duck in Columbus, Ohio. Like it's always like, you got to sell duck breast or you got to sell comfy duck. And I'm selling a completely uh, different preparation of duck. You haven't met my wife. Oh my Lord. If there's duck on the menu, she's, <laughs> she's getting it. Yeah. That half duck is great because uh, we actually started that with the, you know, you always talk about what about sourcing your products and I tried to find the best duck that I could. And then I put it on the menu. I was like, if this sells well enough, then I can put it on. And that's when I was like, Columbus is pretty cool because I'm able to sell half the duck. Um, and people are buying it. And they love it. Um, and again, it's a, it's a whole bird dish. We use the entire thing in the process. We have a half and a whole, but uh, we use the carcass for the stock. 
uh, the breast takes us two days to make. I mean, we're curing it, uh, we're rendering the fat out, we're freezing it, we're searing it, we're cooking it sous vide, and then we're finishing it in a 700 degree hearth. The thighs are cured and mixed with koji, so they get kind of like a dry aged uh, tinge to them. And then we cook them sous vide at 79 Celsius for uh, 18 hours until they're like tender. And then we fry them to crisp them up. We take the stock to make the rice, the fat to enhance the rice as well. Then we make a sauce. Um, and then we take the wings and we barbecue the wings in the way that we would. So it's like, it's a lot of techniques at once, which I think is the most mm -hmm. fun because uh, normally when you go to a restaurant, you're like, I'm going to get a whole chicken. You're just like, it's going to be a whole roasted chicken or something. Uh, in our restaurant, if you get a whole duck, it's like it's 17 different preparations um, that we're disguising awesome. as something simple. And like, you know, it goes back to this classic thing is you eat more than three bites of anything, you get bored. And we, you know, I get bored pretty easily. So it's two and a half bites for me. So how do I keep it interesting? Uh, do mm -hmm. I put the sauce on the plate in a way that you can enjoy? And it's like that. It's like, I don't want to give you any directions. I just want you to be able to eat the thing and like it. And that one uh, surprised me every time because the flavors are definitely in alignment with like my. Um, my affinities towards like Asian flavors and like Hainanese mm -hmm. chicken, and that's a hard it's a hard sell actually. <clears throat> the reason we went with duck instead of chicken is because I can't serve chicken pink uh, in America yet. Maybe one day, but <laughs> people don't tend to like their chicken pink, so so I went with duck because yeah. duck breast is uh, people are okay with duck breast with pink. Uh, <laughs> I, mostly, most people are. If they're not, we'll cook it more obviously. But uh, people are more accepting yeah. of saying like, hey, we we took the stuff for that. I mean, my favorite one to make though is like honestly like. The dish, like the not fat dye, is uh, it's great fun because it's a lot of different steps in a lot of ways, and I love the flavor combinations. It's very spicy, it's very aggressive in flavor, uh, mm -hmm. and we use a eighty-five thousand BTU wok, which like literally will set the kitchen to one hundred fifteen degrees and we turn it on fifteen seconds. But you, there's no, it's like it's like playing, a, you know, it's like it's like playing football, it's like playing like a high intensity sport. Every time you make it, you're like you, you're like how do they, how do people do this all day long? Like you're sweating after one, you're like holy shit, like I burned my arm, I have a scar on my face from an egg flying into it. Like what the hell? Like, you know, every time you make it, it's an adventure and it's fun. So like yeah, like a, there's no like way you can like teach someone. You just have to do it enough times, and that's one of the dishes I'm like I've done it enough times. I'm like this is great. Like it's you can see where uh, where technique can actually make a difference in food because you got to get that like you need fire coming out of there, and that's not it, you won't get the wall cave if you don't do it. So it's always like an educational process. I think uh, Scott's uh, drooling over there. That's <laughs> uh, yes, also definitely. not pad thai. The best thing about it is the name because everyone's like, "Oh, so uh, I want the pad thai." I was like, "No, we don't. We don't do pad thai here. We it's called not pad thai." <laughs> like, no, but pad thai. <laughs> we call it not pad thai because it's not authentic. Like nothing we do is completely authentic, so it's better to call it not pad thai because then mm -hmm. you know, like the, you know, the thing like don't imagine a pink elephant. If I say don't imagine, you think of the pink elephant, so you think of pad thai, mm -hmm. so you immediately know what it's supposed to taste like. And then like you can eat it. right? Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't think of anything, and he thinks of the state puff marshmallow man. Exactly. That's a, <laughs> I love I love marshmallows too, so that's a good one. But yeah, but yeah, um, that, that's uh, that's a cool one that we never thought would take off, but it has been one of the the tables on the menu for sure. Yep, it is equally amazing, and so is the duck. I've um, love all three of those. Um, um, go ahead. Um, I was gonna say I'm also happy to hear that you like the crawfish because that was a. I actually had crawfish etouffee down down on campus back in the day when I was in college, and there was a place called like uh, Johnny Oak's Po' Boy Shrimp Shack, and they would make it so so spicy that it would like you'd walk into the restaurant and you couldn't breathe. Um, and I was just trying to recreate <laughs> that that specific flavor. It wasn't like mm -hmm. traditional, like because I've been to New Orleans, and New Orleans is one of my favorite cities of, of all time. Because that and Montreal have like they're like their own country when you go there. The food is not the same, mm -hmm. and uh, it was cool to see like that we could put it on pasta because uh, I was thinking of. San Francisco's other treat, which is like the garlic butter pasta. I had something mm -hmm. similar like that at like Kai's Crab. It's not milk. rice aroni? Uh, that's, that is actually so that, that is, like I said, the other treat. The other, the other. <laughs> and that's something that's inspired by like Vietnamese immigrants. You know, there's uh, there's like Maggie sauce and garlic. Uh, it was one of the first dishes that we could put on, and I was like, this thing has flavor. If you don't like garlic, I'm not going to make it for you because it's not, it's a garlic based dish. You're not going to like it. Uh, just order something else. And it was cool to be able to have yep. the confidence to say, hey, if you like garlic, not if you don't, if you like garlic, this is for you, right? It's cool to say like, hey, 
I have thought about you garlic lovers and I made something for you instead of saying, I'm going to exclude everyone else who doesn't like garlic because that's not my mindset. Mine is like, how can I make mm-hmm. garlic lovers happy? And also crawfish. Like, you know, some people don't like mud bugs. I do. I think they're awesome. They are awesome. I agree. Um, to pivot into um, some talk about COVID, um, I know you guys had to change, you uh, pivoted into takeout and you're just starting to open up the dining room, correct? Uh, yep. Uh, we have to do some work first uh because yeah, of the pivot our dining room is like in, in completely trashed honestly it looks like a looks like a command center uh so mm-hmm. uh, we have to move stuff around because like we've turned like the, the tables into our desks and whatnot uh, to kind of get through the time so uh we definitely want to make it look better than it was before to to reinvite guests back in because you know we miss seeing people too um. do you think there are any effects of covid um that the industry will adopt now for the foreseeable future um, I, hope so. I hope so. Uh, I think that it definitely made us decide why we're in the industry and if what we should, we should question ourselves no matter what, because a lot of us have bad lifestyles. Uh, I mean, when restaurants were in full swing and this bubble was coming up, uh, people party all the time. They stay out late and they wake up late and, you know, they, they're drinking and stuff. And it's like, it's cool to mm-hmm. some degree, but the amount that people are doing it is not healthy. I don't think it's sustainable behavior. Like, it's not cool to not have any time to do anything other than cook. Uh, that's the way my life has been for the last 15 years or whatever, 12 to 15 years when I've been cooking, but I don't think it's the way it should be for the future generation because it doesn't encourage others to want to do what we do. Um, my right. mindset was I was always told not to do it, and I don't think that's acceptable. I think it's good to encourage people to do it, but the only way that it should be done is if you can make it better for the generations after us, right? Things uh-huh. change, so we should too. Awesome. Um, let's pivot into some top chef talk. Um, sure. One of my favorite parts of this season in particular was um, – how all the contestants got along so well um always helping each other out you look at all your social media accounts and you're encouraging each other and you're posting like adventures around cities that you guys are all um on hanging out um so what was that experience like um going into this and having to compete with all these bright young top chefs around the country and then just what it seems like is you just made a bunch of lifelong friendships from it uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot more depth to to it than uh, <coughs> uh, than one or two things, but uh, it was definitely not what I expected. So I didn't expect to get on, first of all, so that was a surprise. Uh, when I did it, I didn't expect to make it past the first round because I have a lot of self-doubt. Um, and then uh, because I did, <laughs> and I was like there. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> That's it's, the psychology degree coming in. <laughs> no, no, it's... Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, it's, yeah, it's it's never uh, – when you're trying to do stuff, it's if you go like, man, I'm awesome, I don't know if you can get any better. But if you look at it and you go, what can I do better, then you never think you're mm-hmm. awesome. So that's just the way it is. Yep. Plus, you know, you watch it, and when you see it, and then you're in it, it's completely different, right? You see it on yep. TV, and it's been going for 18 seasons, and that was like – around the time I started cooking, I started watching it. And like, holy crap, like, now I'm here. What the heck's going on? Uh, how mm-hmm. how did – what went wrong with the world? And, you know, some stuff went wrong that they decided to pick someone from Columbus, Ohio to be on this thing. Um, and that was my mindset when I walked in. And so I was like, you know, I'm not going to make any friends with anyone here because they're all real chefs. I'm just this dude from Columbus, Ohio. Um, and within a couple episodes, uh, you know, they were very supportive. They're like, no, you're not. You're actually – you're here for a reason. And it was cool to hear that and something that's normally mm-hmm. a competition because historically there's been times when people are like, you know, in competition environments, they put you down and they make you feel like crap. Uh, and this did not happen. Uh a lot of that was also like, yeah, COVID. So when we walked yeah. in this year, usually you get pulled out at your peak when you're like doing a really good job in your restaurant and making amazing plated food. And in this time, like half half the chefs did not have jobs. The other half were like, you know, we're working carry out, carry out and delivery. Uh-huh. So we're putting food in boxes, you know, like we're not like plating anything. And we, 
we're like isolated yeah. to like yeah to ourselves we don't get to go out we don't get to go to like you know whole foods itself we have to order from the app <clears throat> all those things are really 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 rough so but we went uh, hey we're all in the same situation and the reason we're doing this right now is to try and show that there's a future for cooking like not like hey we don't know one person like i'm gonna win this i don't think i think we all kind of felt like right. we just want to do our best with what we were given and i think that uh, that helped a lot because if it was not that way it would have been a real shit show yeah interesting um what what are you going to take away from the show um personally and professionally um i think like personally it's uh maybe don't doubt myself so much i don't know like it's a like mm-hmm. I've, I've uh if i look back at it, it's like i've done some stuff i guess in my career um i've never been like anything i do is awesome but i mean I, if i stop and go holy shit i was on top chef that's, that's pretty cool right <laughs> i don't know i'm the yeah, second person in the state of ohio to, to go there i, I think the furthest one from from the state to get to get to any place and then also um you know given my background i guess i'm technically the first bengali american i don't i didn't even realize that but all those things i didn't think about when i was doing those like hey i just want to cook the food uh, so to step back and see that is like hey maybe maybe i can make a difference um i've always talked about like the reason i started cooking was because i love hospitality and i love making people feel good um and maybe with some uh confidence i can i can do that for more people because i'd rather more people enjoy awesome food than less like that's in my mindset so that helped with that a little bit um and then making the friends is awesome because you're talking to people that are going through very different and sometimes similar situations all across the country so if you're in la mm-hmm. if you're in texas if you're in detroit you know everyone's got a different story and a different background but we all kind of agreed on the same stuff we saw that we had a lot of similarities and we tried to focus on what we were more similar about this year than what we were different about yeah and i mean you could tell just from watching it that that was the case too um which is nice you know because the last year and a half has been sh- shitty for a lot of people so it's an escapism and then it's nice to see you know a group of people like banding together and having fun like all these fun cool cooking challenges versus like the one guy that's like oh i'm gonna stomp everyone and like i'm gonna run away with this and you know all that kind of stuff yeah it's definitely fun and cool it's definitely it's a lot of fun I, I assure you we were having so much fun when you're 20 minutes to, i'm just kidding it was it's very <laughs> very nerve-wracking it really well, like, yeah, uh, that was it, that was <laughs> My next question was, what what was the hardest kind of challenge you had to do? Was it like the quick fire? Was it like the the ones I where they tell you, the you have fires? to use these ingredients to make you know something? Um, I, when I when I thought about it, and like I watched a couple episodes before I went, I saw um, I was like, oh, quick fire, cool. Uh, this will be in, like impossible because no one has any idea what's going on. You got twenty minutes, and there's like do this so here. Uh, use like. Use a cook on a stump. Like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, cook on a stump. Don't use any electronics. You got to make it in the video. I was like, what, 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 you know, like those sound like very terrible things, but when you're a working chef and all you do is actually like work on the line and do stuff all the time, uh, it's actually not so bad because every day is kind of a shit show. So, so when they're like, Hey, you got 20 minutes to make this. It's like, Oh, like it's like my cook didn't show up and, uh, you know, I got to make this dish happen right now. Or this person has this allergy. Uh, can you make them something? And as a chef, your job is to step to those occasions and do that. So at the beginning, I was having trouble with them because I didn't think I would do so well. But when I was getting towards close, close to middle, I was like, hey, actually, the quick fires are more my comfort zone than some of the elimination challenges because I'm not really good at planning. I'm better at uh, off the hip. I'm a, I'm a compulsive procrastinator. Um, I took a class in psychology, mm-hmm. and I saw that I was actually one of the few people that is not so bad at waiting until the last moment to do stuff. We did some stuff on time pressure and decision-making. Obviously, I'm not the best at it, as you can see, uh, but but I'm not as bad as I thought I was at it. So <laughs> so uh, that, that, was, uh, that was cool to see. The elimination challenges are uh, more difficult for me because you get in your own head like you have you have more time so mm-hmm. you might get done early and you're like what do i do now like you know you always you always start to and the thing that's like everyone's biggest enemy the season has been themselves it's not been someone else it's yeah been like what do you is this good enough what are the what are the parameters am i meeting this and you you doubt it because uh you know 
I'm used to my guests in Columbus, Ohio, and I'm not sure if it's the same palette as the judges of Top Chef. I'm not sure what, you know, you never really know what you're supposed to do. You just want to do mm -hmm. your best. And uh, when they say it's not very good, you're like, damn, I must suck. I shouldn't cook. You know, like it's a very strong level of doubt because uh, not only that, but I mean, I've been trying to avoid attention for the longest time. And now I'm like on national television. Like now this is what <laughs> everyone's going to perceive me as like, is this, is this who I am? I, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, it's scary. It's a very scary thing. It's all those things at once. So of course, if I go on there and the first thing I mess up is a rice and I've been making rice my entire life. Yeah. That makes you doubt yourself for sure. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> well, isn't the rule you're not supposed to do rice on top chef, right? I think it's risotto, but so here's, here's oh, a, yeah, it is risotto. Oh, you're right. So I did one, one, there's, there's two options. One, I did risotto or I didn't do risotto. So if I did it, I didn't get eliminated for doing risotto. So then I've broken the curse, right? Or two, as I didn't make risotto, I didn't get eliminated. So, you know, either way, technically I still made it past that round. So that's, that's like, everyone's like, oh, you didn't do it. You're going to go home. It's like, but I didn't go home. So, so what, what is the case here? You know, like, uh, it's, it's not so bad. Right? There were, um, and I know it's obviously like edited and stuff, but there were so many episodes where like the chef will be making something and, and they'll be like, oh, should I put this in the fryer for a couple more minutes? I don't think it's crispy enough. And then they'll second guess it and they'll take it out early. And then I'm just in my head. I'm like, uh oh, it's not going to be crispy enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then they yeah, get yeah. to the judges' table, and it's not crispy enough. I'm like, oh, uh, no. well, the other thing about judges' tables, like you know, it's, it's it's like a later thing. So they they say focus on flavor always. So you focus on flavor. And uh, two is um, if you have self doubt, the camera will find you. You know, it's like it knows, mm -hmm. it knows. <laughs> they they know exactly what you're doing and what you're doing like wrong. A bloodhound, they sniff it out. Yeah, so <laughs> they're they're pretty on point there. But secondary, it's like, yeah, sometimes things don't work out because, uh, you know, they're called challenges for a reason. They're not called easies. Uh, so when you do them and it's like, and it's, you know, it's, and it's not crispy enough. Um, yeah, maybe it looks that way from, but at your mind at the time, you're just like, I, it's not just, you're just four other people want to use their fryer. So when you, like, there's a lot of things that, that happen uh -huh. and you just want to, the one thing that is certain is when that clock runs out, you, you got to play it, right? You got to play it no matter what. So. That's a different mindset. It's not, and it's not like professional cooking. It's not like anything else I've ever done. It's not even like like a regular competition. There's so much different stuff that comes into play, and there's definitely a process to, to get through it successfully. But it's really hard because every time you think you figure it out, they throw something else at you. They don't get any easier as it goes on. So yeah, interesting. Um, so you and another chef on the show, Shoda, um, had a pop up restaurant in Seattle that was like a Harold and Kumar go to White Castle type deal how did that come about and what was the response to that um yeah i don't know what you're talking about because that'd be like a movie and we don't you know we don't do copyright infringement so it was more <laughs> yeah. of a um, <laughs> at ohio-based slider restaurant <laughs> uh well we all we want to do something and want to do something fun for sure because you know like again the direction the last few years is like it's not it's more towards fun food like you want people to have a reason they want to see us want to talk to us and they want us to do something fun so we came up with sure they came up with the idea he's like hey we should do this sort of thing. I was like, you know what? You know my middle name is Kumar, right? And he's like, what? No way. I was like, yeah, it is Kumar. And my dad is a doctor, so this is a pretty easy, easy one for us. Uh, so <laughs> we thought we'd do that, and it was, uh, it was just, it was simple. We only offered one thing: is it was uh, a service part. We have the, it's kind of a sandwich that we had inspired by the fillet of fish deluxe. Uh, it was one of my favorite childhood memories. Ooh. Except, uh, yeah, You're right up my alley. Yeah, filet so, of fish, huh? Not not only that, but uh, you know, the filet of fish was actually an Ohio dish. It came from a McDonald's franchise that wanted to make something uh, for Lent, so they put fish on the menu. So it was an Ohio original. Um, <clears throat> my favorite was also the deluxe menu, which was uh, also made for the Ohio audience, where they're like, "Let's make an adult McDonald's, so you get the lettuce and you get the extra size filet of fish." <laughs> so they have taken that away since, but I can never forget like eating that thing with lettuce was like. 
but I don't know what it is with like, like I guess like Asian people or rough families, but everyone that I know that would do that would be good, and that's what we'd eat, not Big Macs, we'd go and get filet fish deluxes. So uh, I made a version of that where uh, basically, I, of course, I I couldn't just like cut a fish into a square. I had to go buy like Chilean sea bass, break down the entire thing, puree it, add some meat glue and stuff to it, and then put it into a tile and then uh, sous vide it and then cut it into squares and then bread it three times and then fry it. Uh, that that was our fish patty because, you know, you don't want it to taste like flaky fish. You want it to taste like a cube of fish. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very distinct, <laughs> distinct taste and flavor. So we did the reverse engineering process and uh, it's definitely a pain in the ass. But what you get is something that looks exactly like uh, the White white Castle's like little fish sliders. Um, we thought that would be fun because then you can choose exactly how many you want to. <clears throat> but of course, we couldn't go baseline. It was a collaboration. So Shoda did some really awesome uh, daikon pickles. Um, and then I did a, a mala remoulade. So I like Sichuan flavors a lot. So it was like a mouth-numbing mayonnaise, basically. And we stacked those together. And uh, yeah, it was. we sold, I think, uh, 420 pieces in 65 minutes. So it was no... Whoa. Uh, yeah, it was... So, I, so I've seen like long lines, but like... Like man, like Seattle's pretty cool because they were like they were all the way from his restaurant to like a gas station five blocks down, and it was a uh, it was like nonstop until we were done. It was just make 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 wow. make make, and then we're sold out. It was weird that we sold out <clears throat> four hundred twenty pieces, uh, considering that it was some kind of a Harold and Kumar reference. Too. He's so vindicated right now. <laughs> I just, it, this is so right up my alley. I I just oh I damn it. I wish I would have got plane tickets. Or <laughs> it was great. The next question: Any plans for a sequel, maybe in Columbus? Oh yeah, um, I I, uh, I am not at liberty to say, but I will tell you yes. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> we had a lot of fun at the last one, so I, I would like uh, I would like to show show a good time in Columbus. Um, you know, the key is we got to make sure we, there's a lot of cool stuff to do here, right? So I think we got them covered. Uh, I will definitely let you guys know when this is happening. Oh, that would be amazing. We have I, uh, showed us here all of our yeah, I'm trying to bring everyone over because I like I if I could get anything done this season, it was like I wanted to show people that Columbus isn't as weird as people think that are not from Columbus. Like we have a lot of uh-huh. neat things that we do. We have some pretty big markets. We have a huge influence on the world. You know, like a lot of yeah. lot of things came out of Columbus. So uh, I I think it'd be cool for to get recognized a little bit more because you know I I left New York to come back home. I think Columbus is home, and I think there's a lot to be said about the Midwestern hospitality and some of the stuff that, are, that is here that is often overlooked. I don't want to be like New York. I want to be like Columbus. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a reason why Columbus is a test market for so many like fast food chains and, you know, headquarters for so many fast food chains. Too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's like a, it's like a good representation of not only like the Midwest, but the whole country with the <laughs> diverse people and the pallets. And we're just kind of like stuck in the middle and you're just a couple hour plane ride from wherever you want to go in the country. So yeah. And, um, Ohio state university is pretty big. So, uh, yeah. that it's is good. Little, they, yeah. they do uh Taco Bell said their two big test markets are Columbus and, uh, Dayton. And they said, uh, Columbus, cause if you can make it work in Columbus, it's a good idea of the representation of the country. And if you can make it work in Dayton, you can make it work anywhere in the entire world. Basically. I believe Houston's <laughs> a test market too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Houston has some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, somewhere in Tennessee does some stuff too, I believe. They have like um, several ones in different states, just depending on the populations. Because they said like West Coast test market is different than East Coast for them. Because Taco Bell is based in Irvine, yeah. so they have a bigger population over there that automatically likes them. So it's not as accurate as if you pick from the Midwest. Yeah. So they said Columbus is the best one, though, right? Uh, something like that. This. I I don't have that on paper, but I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure on, on the twentieth twentieth of April, you know, we figured out something about that. Yeah, Columbus is the best. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will keep my eye out on your Instagram for any 
future announcements if one happens to be coming sure wink 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 um i will i will make sure uh, i also i'll send you a little message so <laughs> oh that, that would be amazing and then scott you're gonna have to drive from he's uh, from pittsburgh area you're gonna have to come oh you're yeah, pittsburgh. Yeah, this way. not that far i've been to columbus a couple times uh, i have a my... family that used to live in greensburg so you know i don't know if you're i <laughs> live in greensburg <laughs> oh my god yeah that is not close to pittsburgh you're lying come on man. it's well, it's, I, it's like I, a 40 I, minute I, drive it's, yeah, it's like delaware and columbus yeah that's crazy you're in greensburg too that's a hell yeah yeah, that's amazing. Hell yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. That's uh, there's like 40, 45 people in that city. Right? It's crazy. No <laughs> hell, there's no, this is a big county. Come yeah, on, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Hundred thousand people here at least, give or lot, take. Lot, yes, uh, close, close to a lot of cool things like Seven Springs. You know. So. Yeah, right. You know, we're not in the city of Pittsburgh, but we're not way out in the sticks either. You know, right? Nice balance, right? In Best between. of all worlds. Yeah, I, we used to always exactly. drive up there actually on the way to New York or anywhere else we'd go. Is we'd all stop at Greensburg at my aunt's house. So. Nice. nice. The Goldilocks of Western Pennsylvania. <laughs> it's a big state, man. There's a lot of weird like emptiness. I'm glad the Greensburg is honestly. <laughs> That's I figured if I said Greensburg, you wouldn't be a Greensburg. So I just right, so I'm very familiar with yeah, so. you do know Greensburg. Awesome. awesome, man. <laughs> My last question is, and you kind of already answered this, but maybe maybe there's a different answer. <laughs> Anthony Bourdain always famously loved In and Out by um, LAX Airport. Uh, do you have any guilty pleasure food items or places other than like Taco Bell? Since we already kind of and that's kind of yeah, my existence is mostly fast food and places like that. I would say like it's not just Taco Bell; it's the order at Taco Bell that's important, right? So some people have poor taste in orders, like they order some things that aren't so good, and some people order the right things. Like one of the things that I I was proud of. Welcome is, to uh, the show, Avishar. <laughs> as, as a person that's from the Midwest, uh, so one of the things that was uh, one of the highlights of my life was when I. Uh, when I was starting to eat there a lot more when I started working in restaurants because, you know, you get done at midnight and not much else is open. And I was working up in Delaware. So, again, you could pick between the two Taco Bells. And I won't say which one is better, but one of them is definitely better than the other one. So uh, we'd go to that one. And I was like, so what if I what if I took this, like, cheesy gordita crunch and I put a Doritos Loco shell on that? Would they do that for me? <laughs> and I swear, I kid you not, one month later they put that thing on the menu. But uh, we would get it every <laughs> single day. They're, they're, like, they're like, what a good idea. Of course you could do that. And it was free back then. They're like, yeah. And you know you got to use a nacho cheese shell, right? Like that's that's the way to go. And then you get a chili cheese burrito because you need that like burning hot cheese meat sauce mm-hmm. in your mouth. Like that's it's a good textural contrast. Um, I've done some crazier iterations, but I think like that's the thing is like you got to have that order when you go in there. And I will always tell you that place specifically has burned my mouth so badly twice that I called them to say like this is exactly what I want in two in the mornings. I want something that's really fucking hot. I'm mean, sorry, really freaking hot. <laughs> you know, it's, there's like a way that you eat it and it's got to be like burning your mouth and I used to use uh, hot and verde sauce. Uh, verde sauce is no more, unfortunately. However, mm-hmm. uh, Taco Bell has agreed to send me the hot, rest of the ver- Hot is the best. Yes, hot is the best flavor wise, I think. Uh, I think the other ones, yeah. like I, I think it needs two different sauces always because I think like it's good for contrast. So I'm a, I'm a two packet, like I'll tear it with my teeth and drop two packets into into one, sometimes three if it's a double decker. Um, I used to like double deckers a lot, but uh, there's uh, there's always always that pathway in that order. And if you don't get it, like it's just, and you get it right at the right time, like I, I don't know if there's anything better in the world, right? Like what can you do? Like it's, it's amazing, right? I agree. One of my favorite things to do is just to be a full on idiot. And like, so do you know how they have the naked chicken chalupa? Um, yeah. where the chicken is the show. So mm-hmm. I would go and I would order one of those, order cheesy gordita crunch, order a mini quesadilla, and order a Doritos Locos tacos. All right. So I put the Doritos Locos taco inside of the naked ch- chalupa taco. And then I would wrap, I would 
take apart the um, little quesadilla thing and wrap that around the chicken taco. <laughs> so, yep, and, would, and then I would put that in the middle of the cheese. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because I, I wasn't going to tell you. I wasn't going to tell you about how I used to take the, the chili cheese burrito and wrap it around the Doritos Locos taco because then you get the best of all worlds because you get soft, crunchy, soft. Like mm-hmm. you get you get everything you could ever want, or you could just take a chalupa also and put that on the outside because I prefer the chalupa shell to the gordita shell personally, but they don't have that as item currently. So you just just make it happen, you know. When we used to go to, so when we worked at WD, there was a McDonald's that was pretty close to us. And man, there was some really weird orders that some of the staff had. They'd like take like, you know, they'd take the chicken, McChicken, and put the Big Mac inside of it and get a quart of Mac sauce. And I was just like, what, man, like, it's, but it's cool to see because like, you're talking Michelin star restaurants, right? You're talking about the, the, the finest palates in the entire country. And we're just trying to figure out our damn McDonald's order. Like, that's what, <laughs> what do we eat. Like, that's, that's how we eat. So I, I think there's no shame in that. There's a, this perception that you can't like these things and then work in these restaurants, but that's absolutely the opposite is, you know, we're human beings too. So we like probably the same things you do. We're just trying to find a way to get it to you in a, in a nicer way, you know, in a way that probably doesn't kill you if you eat it every day for two months. <laughs> you done the uh, McGangbang, which is... Uh, uh, I, yeah, I was trying to avoid using uh, using aggressive words in this, in this thing, but it, uh, that, well, that, is, that is exactly I can what we say it. it's my yeah, show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's cheeseburger and then chicken sandwich in the middle and then cheeseburger on top. I think yep. that's the word. <laughs> that, is, that is it. And it was, uh, But you do have to get the... I mean, the, the key is you do need to get the, the cup, the kid's cup of Mac sauce. If you don't have that, it's not a true one. <laughs> mm. I can't tell you why on, on this show, but but it'll make sense to you after you think about it for a little bit. <laughs> uh, that's really funny. Uh, they even have like an Aaron C too, I think, which is the same thing. Only instead of chicken, it's uh, the fillet fish. <laughs> yes, yeah. They used to make a double deluxe. Too. That was brutal. It was it was too much for a fish. <laughs> oh man, I'm sure you were one of us, man. <laughs> no, that's, that's, I mean, that's I never tried them to be anything else. Like I wasn't. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. I'm just, I just, I just like this food sometimes. I, yeah, I recently had internet for the first time too. Actually, when I was in California, and I thought it was pretty cool because they'll like make you whatever you want with this really small menu. You just start saying stuff. I just like cop- copy the person in front of me. I was like, yeah, what that person had animal mm-hmm. style, and they're like, now they put caramelized onions in sauce. I was like, whoa. And then I was like, I want this fry this size, and they just filled an entire bag, like literally, like a to-go bag full of fries. I was like, damn, this is <laughs> you guys are sick. Like, this is, you want you want all? I was like, what shake do you want? I was like, all of them. They're like, okay, we'll put them all into one. It's, it's, it's. <laughs> uh, my order at In and Out is four by four animal style with animal style fries, baby. Yep, that's the way to go. The only problem with animal style fries sometimes is they get way too soggy. Um, depending yeah, on the one you're at, soggy. Uh, if you're not eating it right there, they get soggy. But you know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you're not you're not like a hundred percent there when you're eating there anyway. So it's, 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 it fulfills <laughs> the need that you need. Place. Yeah, yeah, and like it's just the packaging is beautiful. Everything about it is great, and they're making it to order. So well, I have no complaints. Yeah, I mean, if I'm eating a four by four. I'm not drawing the line at a slightly soggy fries. <laughs> I already feel a certain way about myself. I'm not, not going to pass up on So the, the thing is, I guess, like the other thing is, like the, the breakfast, so McDonald's breakfast. I, I do the thing. I, I think it's now like common, except because there's a place called Peter's Biscuit World that does this thing too. But I always put the hash brown inside of it. Like, you know, you got to get it and you got to shove it in there. So you dress it up. You take the, the hash brown, you put the ketchup and the sriracha in there. And then you stack it as one. So you get all, everything at once. If you don't have that all together, it's not as good. But if you have everything together, like it's, it hits perfectly. And um, then I think like Peter's Biscuit World does the, uh, Thundering Herd, which is exactly that, is what I thought about. I was like, oh, so it does make sense. Because all this time I thought I was just like, you know, like an idiot for putting a hash brown inside of a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> but then I see like, you know, there's places that put like, they put like, they put like whole chicken wings with the bones inside a sandwich. I was like, that's stupid because you're going to bite it out of bone. That's, I don't know how you're supposed to eat that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, the hash brown in a sandwich, right? <laughs> no, hash brown's perfectly normal. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So you get one to eat, and you get one for the sandwich. This is I think this is all oh perfectly normal. This is like a Tuesday for me. I love this. 
<laughs> I'm glad that uh, more people are, are keen to this these fast food habits. Not just, <laughs> yeah, because I always thought there was something wrong with me. I was like, what? Why am nope. I doing these things? <laughs> You're doing it exactly right. <laughs> so, Here, you know, we, we all need some validation in our lives. I'm glad you guys provided that for me. <laughs> it's a rough year. <laughs> you just validated us all. What are you talking about? <laughs> this is like this is like therapy now. Telling <laughs> <laughs> it's completely normal. It's, it's, it's better than normal. This is how you create new families, right? <laughs> Full circle to that psychology degree, right there. It's all coming I back. I studied around. you guys really well before I came on here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> really funny well that's all the questions i have for you i do want to say anyone listening follow avishar on instagram um he's like share it's just avishar and um <laughs> <laughs> so, so i thought instagram like i didn't know what it was when it first came out so i was like oh this is a cool app that i can use to edit my photos in my phone and it was for like Apple, but it didn't come out for like I was an Android phone, so it came out for Android. I was like, cool, and now I can edit my photos. They're like share with everyone. I was like, what the hell? I'm not sharing my pictures with everyone. That's stupid. It's like, why would I ever do that? And that's how I ended up with the Avatar name because like literally it was like great right when it came out. And I, I thought it was the dumbest thing in the entire world. Now actually, it's like the the biggest platform for me because I like to take pictures a lot, so it does work out pretty well. Yeah, and now you're making 20 minute videos on how to make noodles and I'm making them. Yeah, and... I mean, I, I people ask, so I, I think this stuff's kind of boring because I do it all the time, but other people think it's exciting. So if they want to see it, I'll show them for sure. Yeah, it's a it shows you kind of a behind the scenes because you know you get the dish and you're like, what did all did it take to make it? And I'll show you what yeah. all it took to make it. <laughs> no, it's super interesting. I think it's um, awesome. And I mean, free content for me and others to consume. To get, yeah, you know, I mean, like, I'm, I'm, completely up, I'm completely open source. I'm just hoping that, you know, the next generation does everything better than us, right? And I can't do that if I keep secrets. Also, you don't have a dishwasher, so you're not going to try it at home. I know that. So. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Um, well, that leaves only one more segment, and that is plugs. So if you got anything you want to plug away, have a sure. Now's your chance. Well, I'm just um, really happy that uh, you guys invited me on the show. So I think you guys are doing an awesome job uh, talking about things that I like. So, you know, and uh, if you want to find me, I'm over here at Service Bar right now. My, again, my Instagram is Avishar. Uh, that is the best way to see what, what I'm up to. Uh, so if we're doing pop-ups or dinner or anything like that, uh, the two main pages are Service Bar and mine. Uh, we had one called Secret Kitchen Menu, and that's actually uh, a cool one, too, because... Uh, we used to sell our dishes that uh, we'd have like five or six of in a way that you can see the pictures and order them in advance. We thought it was neat to sell the stuff that we'd like to eat at a restaurant. Uh, yep. So that has been uh, a fun thing as well, too. Um, between those those three, uh, you will find everything you need. And also, don't be afraid to reach out to me as long as you're not uh, very thirsty and sending some strange messages about shoe size, which I've been getting. Uh, I will probably respond to you. It's, it's very weird. It's a, like, seriously, one of those like, hey, what's your shoe uh, size? Bernie, I, like, I told you not to send the shoes. <laughs> so I was, I was just like, I was like, is this a, is this a representative from Adidas? Am I getting some free shoes? And then, then I immediately like clicked on the page. And I was like, oh, this is not what I thought it was. I'm not getting free shoes today. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I can make some money off them. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Onlyfans.com slash yeah, Avatar. I, mean, I, I, I said, said apronsonly.com, man. That's going to be the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did joke about it. I was like, you see these, some, of the, some of these videos because they're like putting these ads out and they're showing like, like chefs making food and stuff. They're like, this is what Onlyfans for. I was like, cool. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make these videos. And maybe we have a really juicy content, like a you know, like perfectly pink steak or something. And I'm just going to show how to make the steak. They spend they spend like forty dollars, and I just show them how to make the steak, and that's it. Like I don't know, there's no like there's no nothing else that I, I think people want out of that, right? They just want to see how to make the steak, right? That's why you go to that website. It's, it's for for fans mm -hmm. of steak, correct? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, and people will pay it. <laughs> yeah, if they do, thank you. You know, I appreciate you liking the way that I cook my steak. 
That's awesome. Um, thank you again so much for coming on the show. This was uh, this was a blast. This was awesome. Cool. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for inviting me. And I will 100% be coming whenever you get the dining room uh, all spruced up and opened. Uh, I will be there. Awesome. We look forward to hosting you guys. Skay's going to come down and we'll go back again, too. Yep, I'll be out there. After we're done, we'll go to Taco Bell and we'll, we'll see how, how real you guys actually are. Oh, <laughs> we're talk about it. it's the bang bang. Mm. You start off at Taco Bell and you end up at, White, at Waffle House. So, you know, Ooh. <laughs> oh, man, speaking my language. <laughs> All right, well, we're gonna let you go. Awesome. Uh, thanks again for coming on, and so um, we look forward to um, seeing what you got going on in the future and future um, dishes. I will be. St- Staring at your Instagram, waiting to see. That, um, I appreciate it. You know, it, it does the, help. Uh, the burn uh, appetite yeah. inspired dish. Yeah, I mean, I, I, need... <laughs> I think that's a very good platform to start. So we we can have this discussion. We'll do our, our collab here. We can come Perfect. up with. I'm kind of afraid to sell it, uh, but, <laughs> but maybe maybe we just sell four for you guys. <laughs> One for me, three for Perfect. you, and uh, that'll be a, a. It's so popular, it sold out within 15 seconds. Right? <laughs> yeah. So you go. You got to start Perfect. somewhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I'll talk to you later. All right. See you. Bye-bye. All right. So we had to let Avishar go because we didn't get we didn't want to get into any like gray areas of him uh, rating and reviewing different restaurants, foods, and all that stuff with him being a chef. So um, it's just going to be me, Dwayne, and Skay today reviewing our fan-voted restaurant. Yeah. And the winner Woo! is... None of them! You peasants think for a second that I would let you vote on where I eat? Oh. Absolutely not. Boo. What a heel turn. Boo. Give me your booze. Oh, Boo shit. This man. My it wasn't Panda Express? No. Did you I, eat I had the express orange chicken. We <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, are doing, because I'm the monarch of the show and I rule the lands, I wanted a meal that's fit for a king. <laughs> and that's also really disappointing. So, <laughs> so we went to Red Lobster to have the ultimate feast. Oh. <laughs> for those of you who are unfamiliar with Red Lobster's menu, the ultimate feast. That can't is... be many people. I'm, I'm thinking everybody knows what it is. <laughs> you know, I didn't know what all was in the ultimate feast. I just saw <laughs> ultimate feast. I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. Um, shrimp scampi, snow crab legs, the smallest lobster tail you'll ever see in your life. <laughs> Waltz shrimp, I believe it's called. Famous fried shrimp. Waltz famous fried Waltz shrimp. Famous fried shrimp. Breaded shrimp. Into. And then you get to pick two sides. We're obviously going to talk about the cheddar biscuits. And then we all got the Dugarita. The Dugarita. The Dugarita. Their Mountain Dew margarita that is no longer on the menu, but they graciously made it because they don't want to piss off my eyes. Aaron would be proud of us. Aaron would be proud of us drinking this. So he would. So. I think we should start where all meals start at Red Lobster. And let's talk about them biscuits, baby. <laughs> they changed their biscuits. At least the ones I had, they changed. Skay, do you think they changed their biscuits? I tend to agree with that statement. I also agree. Um, 
my biscuits were amazing. Like the best biscuits I've had there ever. They were like doughy in the middle, which is like my jam. Um, they were like browner than normal because of the butter that they used on top of it. Like these biscuits. <laughs> I think Skinny got the same biscuits I got. <laughs> if you can, you listeners out there, if you could see Look my face right now, that that's not at all what my fucking biscuits were like. Huh. I know, but look at those. Doesn't like, isn't that that's what those they look good? Look like. Those look really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, hey, what? Uh, hey, what? What time did everybody go? Lunch, dinner. I dinner I time for like, me. I went at like one thirty in the afternoon. It was yeah, around uh, seven for me. Yeah, I was. Uh, I want to say like two o'clock. Yeah. Just wondering, like you know. There's different times of the day when they're cooking more, cooking less. You know, they knew the king was coming. They had, a, they had a <laughs> so they wanted to they set. They wanted to set the scene real early with them, the best biscuits they've ever made. They heard the trumpets. The Tell me, let's hear. Let's hear, well, hear the trumpets did, that did, I play did, as I walk in. Yeah, the heraldry out in front of you. <laughs> uh, I did, I biscuits. want to hear your rating, Bernie Chef Kiss Coomsy Coomsa. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot the rules of my own show. Yeah. Uh, Chef's Kiss, baby. They were amazing. Amazing biscuits. Um, so not my biscuits, night. not the bite of the night. Okay. Um, my biscuits were not as good as I remember the biscuits at Red Lobster. They were not light, fluffy, cheddary. They were just kind of, eh, you know, they, they were a good attempt at a biscuit. They were cheesy still, and they, they tasted fine. I'll still give them a chef's kiss, um, but you know they were lacking somewhat from other biscuits that I have had there. You need to Dwayne. order a burn appetit shirt and wear it in the restaurants. So <laughs> Dwayne, let's hear your experience on these biscuits. I'm in the same boat as Skay here. They weren't as cheesy and garlicky as I remembered. Like, I, like that—that's what I remember from Red Lobster. And it's been—I want to say at least five to ten years, somewhere in there that I haven't been to Red Lobster. You say that with every restaurant. I know. <laughs> no, no, I just say that with McDonald's or Taco Bell or just these. Um, I'm also from New England, so like this is supposed to be oh, New England here style. Here we go. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. Here we go. Red but, Lobster. No, they weren't as good as I remembered. It was Let's a horror it. show. How do you say horror? Hi. Hara. <laughs> Hi. That's how he says it. It's amazing. Oh my god. <laughs> Chef's dis or kumsi kumsa? What's what's the territory we're going in here? Uh, I'm going kumsi kumsa. They were they were good, and I kept like eating more. Like I'm like, maybe it's gonna get better. <laughs> it, you know, there were some bites that had a little more cheese, but it still wasn't enough. And maybe the third plate of four of them will be better. <laughs> but I showed you the picture of mine, man. They were not cooked as yeah. well as yours were at all. Yeah. Now wait to wait, listeners. Wait till you see the picture of my biscuits. <laughs> It's like professional level photos. Yeah, those were those look perfect. Yeah. And not only that, 
she the waitress gave me four more to go. Oh back. my! Here you go. Here's four more to go. Nice. Dang. Yeah, she was great. Hey, by uh, the way, just real quick. Uh, two days ago, I was at the uh, grocery store. The person in front of me had a box of Red Lobster biscuits to cook at home. <laughs> I have. I was like, man, how things. how appropriate this is right now. <laughs> I have those upstairs, and they never come out right. <laughs> don't buy them, listener. Don't fall for it. I fell for it. Um, let's do the sides next. Um, we were only in agreement on one side, and that's because Skay went first and got yeah. the Brussels sprouts, and he said Fuck everyone yeah. has to get the Brussels sprouts. So, um. As the hand of the king, um, I allowed him to um, counsel me on the sides, if you will. Hmm. So um, we agreed to do the Brussels sprouts, and then we'll each also talk about the other side that we got. So, Skay, go ahead and start, because you were the one who picked them. I thought the Brussels sprouts were tremendous. Um, They were, like, crispy. They had onion straws on top of them, and then some kind of... It was almost like a teriyaki sauce, like yeah, with yeah. I'm the, pretty sure it was teriyaki. Yeah, with the sweetness added to it, you've got that little bitter bite to the Brussels sprout, which is very delicious. I'm giving these by far, Chef's kiss. These these were my bite of the night. These Brussels sprouts, Brussels they were sprouts <laughs> bite of the night. Yes, yes. With lobster and crab <laughs> still on the table. Yes. Yes, Absolutely. those Brussels sprouts and, and the shrimp. Wild. Uh, wild. But these Brussels sprouts, they shocked me. They were fucking dynamite. I could have had a whole plate full of those. Forget the rest of the feast. Just give me a tray full of Brussels sprouts, and I would have loved that. They, they were tremendous. I really like Brussels sprouts. We make them regularly at home. We have at least once a week Brussels sprouts, um, and these were very good. Uh, chef's kiss, bite of the night. That's insane. Dwayne, how do you feel about these Brussels sprouts? <clears throat> so first of all, the first time I had roasted Brussels sprouts was at like this dinner for work that was a fine steak restaurant. Had them, they were delicious. And I'm like, oh man. And I've gotten them multiple times now. Mm-hmm. So I was looking forward to this because you were like hyping these up. Yeah, <laughs> They were good. But mine Good. were not cooked enough. Like I wanted them uh, crispier. Mm-hmm. They're a little raw in the middle still. Yeah. But the flavor, like the teriyaki and the onion and the Brussels sprout, it it's actually really, it's a good flavor. Hell yeah. So I'll I'll give them a chef's kiss. Wish mine were crispier though. Mm. Does that stave off the bite of the night? No, it's no bite of the night. so i live my life by one rule and that's my very strict stance on (laughs) anti-vegetables but i like a good crispy uh brussels sprout usually cooked in like bacon fat or something to you know drown out the taste of the actual brussels oh come on so these Brussels sprouts, crispy onion straws, teriyaki sauce. They were fucking amazing. Hey, yeah. These Brussels sprouts, I housed those guys. Hell First yeah. thing I ate took one bite, and it was like a vacuum where I was just sucking up Brussels sprouts. Oh, my God. Not only were they amazing, 
they were my bite of the night as well. Oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. Lobster and crab and shrimp scampi still on the table. I'm picking Brussels sprouts as my bite of the night. Can you believe hell, that? The yeah. show is Vegetables. Vegetables. What the hell is going night. on? <laughs> now, from one extreme to the other, my second side was, and they use this term so loosely, lobster-topped <laughs> mashed potatoes. <laughs> it's a giant plate of mashed potatoes with the tiniest piece of lobster it was probably the size of like a nickel just placed right in the middle of the uh, mashed potatoes. I will post a picture online. Try to get <laughs> that one little tiny piece of lobster on top of the giant plate of mashed potatoes. Nice. I laughed so hard whenever I saw it. Um, that said, still good. Uh, I couldn't <laughs> saw though because uh, it's more mashed potato than lobster. Uh, I didn't even really eat it. I, I ate like half the mashed potatoes. Um, trying to dig around to see if there were more pieces inside that I was missing, you know, like, <laughs> like a scavenger hunt. Nope, just one little piece on top. Kumsi uh, Kumsa for me. Skay, what was your second side? Uh, well, I did have a baked potato for my second side. I mean, how could you make a bad baked potato if you Why fuck don't you up get a the baked lobster potato? topped baked potato? That was an option. I didn't see that. I wasn't paying attention, I guess, close enough. I saw the Brussels sprouts and I was hooked on that. And then the guy said, You get two sides with it. So I was like, Oh, fuck. Uh, baked Anna. potato. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Give me, give me the uh, biggest, give me heaviest potato. thing that will make me not want to finish anything else on this gigantic <laughs> ultimate. <laughs> The baked potato was the last thing I ate, and I finished that fucking baked potato, too. You don't get me wrong. I cleaned that fucking plate up pretty good. Um, you know, the baked potato was good. Uh, Ashley had the lobster mashed potatoes, though, and I did have a bite of those. She, I, it wasn't just one little piece of lobster. I think it, it might have been like half a tail, like a strip of lobster on top. Um. Yeah, but it was, it's because she didn't have the ultimate meal. That's why. Yeah, she got <laughs> she got like the shrimp and salmon. There's like a shrimp and salmon feast or something like that. Shrimp, mm-hmm. salmon, scallops. Yeah. I forget what the hell it's called. But she did one of her sides was the lobster mashed potatoes. They were all right. They weren't outstanding at all. How much lobster um, did she get on it? I, I think it was about half a tail. I think it was like one kind of like strip of lobster on top. So she got hooked up, apparently. Um, I would give, I mean, the baked potato. Like, what What kind of grade can you give a baked potato? <laughs> like, I mean, it's yeah. either cooked or not cooked, right? It, it was, no, it tasted really good. I'm going to give it a chef. The baked potato was a chef's kiss because it was a good baked potato. It had sour cream, butter, salty, nice, tasty, good baked potato. The lobster mashed potatoes, I'll give a kumsi kumsa too. Um, it, they were, it was all right. It wasn't anything spectacular. The mashed potatoes were not great. Mm-hmm. Um, lobster. Box, they were like box mashed potatoes. Yeah, yeah, it seemed like it. They were not outstanding There's mashed potatoes. There's a distinct potatoes. taste to box mashed potatoes. You can always tell. Yeah. Wayne, what did you get? I uh, went missionary position and got the Caesar salad. <laughs> mm. Of course you did. Caesar. Yeah, I mean, kumsi kumsa. I mean, it's Caesar salad. You bored your lover to death as usual. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, I looked at like what I had to eat, and I was like, 
I, like I wanted a potato, but I was like, I can't eat a potato too. You're like, gonna learn. No way. <laughs> We're training you in your stomach, Glenn. Dude, you, I'm, get you, you forget I'm older than you. I used to eat all that shit. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> so how was your salad? <laughs> it it was fine. It was a salad. Comesy comesa. Eh, it's a salad. Caesar salad. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the croutons were amazing. <laughs> <laughs> they were crunchy and buttery. <laughs> did they give you a bag of them to take home? I wish they did. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Walt's. I would have put them in my biscuits. Called? They might have made the biscuits better. <laughs> What's Walt's shrimp called? Walt's way. Walt's shrimp? famous shrimp, I thought. Fam- famous. Oh, God. By the way, I, I should have. I, I, my waitress, I think she would have answered my question if I asked her who Walt was. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think that. Well, I know who Walt is, Dwayne. Walt's the guy that pops these things out of the uh, frozen bag into the microwave <laughs> before he puts them on the plate. That's Walt. That's Walt's famous shrimp. These Mine were soggy. What? Because they were frozen and microwaved. Mine were 1,000%. Like no, they were not. These were not fried. Bullshit. They were fried before putting a frozen a bag to be frozen and shipped, maybe. Um, but yeah, these were awful. Um, what are, what are we doing for chef's disc? Because these are one thousand percent chef's disc. So we, I don't know if we decided. Oh, uh, foghorn leghorn, right? Fog. I said, I said, I said. I say these shrimp are terrible. I say I say it, I say it, I say it. Yeah, uh, awful. Uh, Dwayne, tell us about Walt. Uh, Walt has the worst taste buds I think anybody could have. Like, how do you screw up a fried shrimp? Like, how do you screw that up? It's not seasoned at all. There's like no like no, salt it's, on it. It's nothing. Land. It's soggy. It's gross. Like that's why they give you the cup of cocktail sauce so you can drown that fucker in cocktail <laughs> sauce and then eat it. Which I don't like horseradish, so I'm not eating that shit. Ah, oh, um, Christ! I love I love cocktail sauce. Um, yeah, these were I said I said the worst fried shrimp I've ever had. I think, like literally, it's worst it's like, ever. Wow. It's like uh, just breadcrumbs on a shrimp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Skay, you seem to have strong opinions about Walt and his shrimp. So go ahead. I, I thought, I mean, there was nothing wrong with it. Mine weren't soggy or anything. They were fried shrimp. Um, honestly. It was the last this... thing on my plate that I had more to eat, and I regretted eating each of them. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, I ate them. I ate them after the Brussels sprouts because I knew how soggy and gross they'd be. <laughs> I was like, "Let's get these out of the way." Oh man, my my experience with the fried shrimp were, was not anything like that. Um, and this will link into the like probably the next item, but I think the shrimp is the best thing they have going at Red Lobster. Um, All you can eat on as, Mondays or Tuesdays, one of the yeah. They have the shrimp fest every <laughs> once in a while where you can just get endless shrimp, whatever yeah. you want, scampi, alfredo, fried. That's the best fucking time to go to Red Lobster, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm going to give the fried shrimp a chef's kiss. <laughs> it was fine. 
There was nothing wrong across the board so far for Ske. (laughs) It was not even like a Kumsi Kumsa situation. Like they were exactly as I expected. They were just plain old fry shrimp. Nothing wrong with them. Well, you you kind of gave a little spoiler to the scampi because you said it was the best thing on the menu. So go ahead and roll right (laughs) into the scampi. Um, The scampi was good. You know, it was it was good scampi. The shrimp was all right. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, nice garlicky, buttery flavor to it. I give the scampi a chef's kiss. Okay, Dwayne, what are your thoughts on the scampi? Uh, it was actually good. Mine was like hot when it came out, so I knew they cooked it. <laughs> Maybe they just microwaved it. I don't know, but. <laughs> You couldn't put that little metal tray in the microwave. Exactly. You know? That would just arc and go crazy. <laughs> so at least they put that under the... The, the heater. What, yeah, what the hell do they call that? The Charmander or Charizard or whatever. Yeah, that thing. No, it was good. It was good flavor. I mean, shrimp scampi is kind of... You can't, like... You can't really fuck up shrimp scampi unless you fuck up the shrimp. <laughs> So the, the the shrimp were cooked fine. They tasted fine. I gave it a chef's kiss. It was, it was good. Yeah, so shrimp scampi is impossible to mess up. It's <laughs> shrimp that have drowned in butter and, like, garlic. Um, It's great. It's always great. It's impossible to screw up. It's, it's You're just eating butter with a side of shrimp, uh, which I'm all about, baby. <laughs> chef's kiss. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, let's do crab legs next. Uh, I'm not a fan of these kind of crab legs, um, just because the amount of work to get to so little meat is just like annoying to me. Like I'm annoyed uh, at like I don't want to exhaust myself <laughs> trying to break up with these little ass crab legs to get into the meat. Um, that said, the meat itself was fine. These weren't the best quality crab legs I've had. They weren't the worst quality crab legs I've had. Any crab legs are good. Like it's gonna be good again because you drowned it in the butter. So uh, it's still getting a chef's kiss from me. I, crab is crab. Like it. It's not imitation crab that you get from like a bag. Uh, so chef's kiss from me. Uh, Dwayne, what were your thoughts on the snow crab? So two things. One, I, I said I'm from New England, so you know lobster's a big thing up there. But I actually prefer crab. Crab tastes better to me. It's sweeter. Even if you just eat the crab without the butter, it tastes good. To me, like lobster, you you need the butter. <laughs> I like I like my lobster plain. But uh, so I, I like it with butter. But number two, I've never eaten crab out of the shell like this. It's always been deshelled when I've eaten it. Oh, so oh, you're a fucking toddler. What are you talking about, Wayne? <laughs> What restaurant served you crab out of the shell? Your fancy man gets his crab yeah, shell for him, man. you know? What are you talking about? You I've never broken. Chuck e. I've, cheese? I've, what are you talking about? I've had crab just in a in a dish. Like, I, I don't. You've never had crab. to crack your I've own crab, crab legs, legs open? Nope. You ever had Maryland blue crab where you get the whole crab and you peel the key off the shell and you get the insides out and the meat, and the mustard, nope. or that cluster? You've never Are had you crab fucking legs. kidding me? Nope. You've never had crab legs? Not in the shell. That's a crab leg, Wayne. 
<laughs> oh key point of the God. crab leg. The leg part of it is very important. <laughs> uh, no. Oh my God. What? I don't. You haven't figured out. I don't like to work for my food. Like if I go out to eat, I don't want to work for so my what's damn food. This all out from New England. And I've I eaten had lobster legs. I've eaten lobster. I've cracked lobsters. I do all that, but. God. So what are you rating it, Dwayne? <laughs> giving it. Chef's kiss. I liked it. I mean, the, the the crab tastes good. You put it in butter, it's even better. I mean, you can't really go wrong. Right. right. I don't like snow crab. I like I like my crab like I like myself. King baby. That's no. <laughs> gay. What are your thoughts on the crab? So these are like piss poor crab legs. They're very mediocre. By the way, I, I was proud I got a whole like whole leg out at one time. Yes. See, <laughs> well, you have so, to rip. You have to rip the knuckle, and when you pull it out, it has like that. Um, the fin looks, thing, like a yeah. fit, like a feather the ligament yeah. or whatever. Once you pull that out, then the whole meat thing will just slide. Yeah, I learned that by the fourth leg. <laughs> <laughs> by the last one, <laughs> crab legs are my favorite seafood. Period. I love fucking crab legs. I love you. I, you love we fuck. talked about crab legs. You said you love fucking crab legs. Go ahead. Go well, on. yes. <laughs> I, I okay. I the... fucking love crab legs. There you go. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, they're my favorite thing. We I think it was on the LJS episode where we talked about like favorite food regions. And I just said like the, the shore, the coast, you know, you go, you get that fresh seafood, fresh crab Famous legs region of like you go to Maryland and you get a whole blue crab and you peel right. that fucker open, you tear it apart, you get all the guts and shit out and you eat that. It's so you fucking guts, good. Baby. Yeah. Hell yeah. You go down the one of the best things I've ever eaten was a little sandwich shop down in the Outer Banks. I forget the name of the place, but they have a crab cake sandwich down there that is way more crab than cake. You get these giant pieces of like lump fucking crab meat, and it's delicious. That was, and it was like seven bucks for this sandwich. The best fucking thing. These are shit crab legs. Um, like yeah, I got really one, funny. I got one good like upper portion to pull out. All the other ones are kind of like overdone. The meat sticks inside. You, it's hard to get that nice huge chunk of crab meat out there. Legs and are real skinny. in that butter. Yeah, the legs are skinny. It just, it you know, it was. It's still coomsy coomsa because it's crab leg. It's crab. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay. But they're, these are as low-quality crab as you can get. You can go to, like, grocery stores around here and get better crab legs. You take them home, you fucking boil them, steam them, put some Old Bay on there. You fuck them? Uh, what? <laughs> then you fuck them. Yeah, then you fuck them. And they're better than what you get at Red Lobster. Still um, a coomsy coomsa. Dwayne, have you ever had soft-shell crab where you, I, like, eat the shell? I have not. But you're from New England. You're like Father Time's clicking away here, dude, and you haven't even lived your life. <laughs> All right, we're gonna make an emergency trip to Houston, Skay, and we're gonna we're uh, gonna show this man a good time. Shove some crab down his throat. <laughs> we're, we're gonna fuck some crab. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, all right, uh, Mr. New England, Tom Brady over here. Tell us about the lobster. It, it was lobster. <laughs> it was small. I think mine was a little overcooked. But you dip it in butter. I mean, mm. it's all about the butter. <laughs> Coomsy Coomsa. Yeah. Um, mine was small. It was also overcooked. Um, it's for to name your restaurant Red Lobster and then have your lobster be so bad. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Insult. <laughs> Like that should be. Why like, is everything else wheelhouse. better? <laughs> that should be your wheelhouse, not the biscuits. It should be it should be red biscuits is what they should change. <laughs> um, I yeah, overcooked lobster is the worst. It's still kumsi kumsa because like a, as all dishes at Red Lobster, you just drown it in butter until it's okay. <laughs> uh, the butter would actually tasted really good though. I don't. I don't know what good the butter, butter is yeah. but clarified butter just i love butter. lobster but it's just not good quality lobster okay also my tank was empty so i didn't get to pick out the little bastard no nope. uh, i think that's a covid thing or some shit because my tank was empty too the lobsters would get covid if they were all in close proximity well you can't to touch other. it you know you can't <laughs> can't touch i wanted it. to go over there with my scepter and my crown and i wanted to point it at the, the, the tank and sentence one of those lobsters to death <laughs> nope. empty tank empty restaurant me and two other people wait was your tank still running though uh yeah yeah my tank water. was too i'm like yeah it was just water why don't you my, just empty it <laughs> my tank had a couple lobsters in it they were crawling around really yeah they're slightly moving it might have been alive, <laughs> at least half of them. It might have been a fake lobster. Is that what you're <laughs> Animatronic <saying>? lobster. <laughs> um, I gave it. I'll, did I rate it? Kumsi Kumsa if I didn't rate it. Kumsi Kumsa. Um, I am not as big a fan of lobster, as, certainly as I am of crab. Um, this lobster was tiny. It was like two bites of lobster. You take one half of the lobster tail, eat that, the other half, bang, next bite. Chef's diss. Well, Ooh. I said, boy, I said, boy, <laughs> this lobster was no good. Wow. That is uh, yeah. crazy. Yeah. Your only chef's diss. Was the lobster so far? <laughs> so far, we we From haven't rated one lobster. item yet. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's one more. Item we have left. missed an item, and that's the Dookie Rita, <laughs> the Dugarita. Uh, my, your guys's looked great in the pictures. It like, um, it well by great I mean it had that Mountain Dew look. neon green look to it. <laughs> Mine looked like a normal margarita, but. Drinking it, I could taste Mountain Dew. Uh, I don't know why I didn't get the green, the green look to it. Um, it was fine. I don't have strong opinions either way. I didn't get the sugar rim around it. Um, it, it, it was a margarita. It was fine. It wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It was okay. Coomsy uh, Coom Soft for me. Dwayne, I know Skay has the strongest opinion on this, so we'll save him for last. 
But Dwayne, go ahead. Kind of the same thing. I and I think so. My waitress told me how they made it because she's like, "Well, it's not on the menu, but I think we can make it." And she came back. She's like, <clears throat> "I think it was. I I don't think they added Midori to yours. I think that's what gave it more color." Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, same thing though. She she even asked me. She's like, "Well, we don't have the salt that we use for the Dorito, whatever the hell it's called, but we have regular uh, sugar or regular salt." And I was like. Yeah, I'll just neither. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll just I'll, be, I'll drink Good it. Call. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> so yeah, it was. I mean, I drank more water than I did do a reader, so uh, <laughs> it was okay. Yeah, I mean, didn't taste bad. Didn't taste good. It's not something that I'm like. Like you go to a place that has a good margarita, you, you're like, oh, I want to go have that, right? Mm-hmm. This was just like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this was like I made it myself at home. Doing. <laughs> yeah, I made one. It's good. So, uh, kumsa. Skay, unleash the hounds on the Dugarita. This was one of the worst drinks I've ever had in my life. <laughs> it was fucking terrible. As was alluded to earlier, I my Dugarita had way too much Mountain Dew. I could hardly taste any like alcohol in it. There, it was just fucking Mountain Dew. And then the <laughs> idiot that made it put fucking sugar on the rim. And it's, you know, add sugar to a fucking Mountain Dew. Like, Jesus Christ, are you trying to fucking kill me right now? Am I going to get di- diabetes after I have this? Like, shit. It was terrible. It was awful. I say, I do declare that that Dugarita was terrible. It was awful. It was the worst. I hated it. Oh, man. <laughs> that was awesome. Disappointing showing from, uh, at least they were innovative, right? No. No. Fuck that. Just stick with the regular margarita. I, yeah, I couldn't even... I had hey, no hint hey, of tequila. You got to give them a little credit. That hasn't been on the menu for like a year, they said. But no, they, well, they still no, made it hasn't it. been that long. That's what they told it's me. Been a couple like, uh, I don't know if we... It's, it was like last year we did that. I was doing some frantic Googling while I was at the restaurant trying to figure out what the hell this drink was. So they introduced it last September... September of 2020, I think, were the like the websites that I saw where they had these press releases or whatever. Yeah. And I believe that they probably took it off within a month because it was fucking <laughs> awful. It was terrible. Get that see, shit off the menu. See, mine, I could taste the tequila. See, I didn't get any of that. It was just straight Mountain Dew and then a sugared rim to add more... <laughs> Sugar to that well, shit. You just drink through the straw. It's okay. You don't. Need there was it. no straw. There was no what? straw in mine. No. It, <laughs> no. When I have a margarita, I appreciate the salted rim because the salt comes with a little sweet and the alcohol and the lime comes through and it's it's a great drink. A margarita done right is very good. This was an abomination. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> well. 
to those who actually voted and took the time to vote um, for the restaurant they wanted us to do next, and they voted for Panda Express. Skay would have been happier with that. I I apologize to you. I couldn't pass up this opportunity to be a gigantic idiot, but I feel like if you're listening to the show, you obviously know who I am. And you know Bernard is a gigantic (laughs) idiot. This, This should be expected. Like, come on. Like I'm not gonna have you guys vote and then actually use that. Like, come on. <laughs> so, uh, the next one, Panda Express. Though That's the next one we have to pick, we'll we'll pick Panda Express. Yeah. If we'll somebody do, doesn't pick it before that, we'll do you a solid. But <laughs> this was too good an opportunity to pull the rug out and uh, just do something stupid. So I took it. Uh, that leaves one thing left to do is to rate Red Lobster one to ten. 10 being the highest, 1 being the lowest. Dwayne. Uh, I'm going to go 4.53. <laughs> Just because we have a thing now, but probably won't be going back anytime soon. It was just okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to honor our guest, Avishar. I'm going to give it a 4.20. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not good. It's I'm like why would I come back here? You can go to any mom and pop seafood place, pay about the same if not less and have a better meal. Why am I going here? I'm not. I'm not going to go here. You're going for the uh, cheddar biscuit. You're going for the biscuits. <laughs> 4.20. Skay, bring it home, baby. I'll give this a hmm. But you went four twenty. Damn. Uh, I'll give it a three six nine, three point <laughs> six nine. Damn girl, fine. Hey, uh, it's not. It's not good. Like it. The the one thing I'll say for Red Lobster is that it does. It's a seafood restaurant, right? There's not a lot of places that are local where you could get this same shit, right? Yep. So, in, you know, instead of fills, it fills its role in the restaurant chain. Right. Instead of flying to the beach and getting good, fresh seafood that's quality, et cetera, or driving there, whatever, drive a couple hours to Maryland, wherever you get your freshest seafood from. It, it, it hits that spot. So if you're really craving crab legs or lobster or something like that, you get it there. It ain't that fucking good. Especially for the price. Like, Christ, between her and yeah. I, we spent over $100 was the bill. Plus the tip after that, you know? Like, God damn. I would have rather drove 20 miles to the nearest Panda Express and had that. <laughs> the fucking gas would have been cheaper than that. And the food probably would have been better, too. Uh, so yeah 3.69 I live two minutes from Red Lobster and I never go to the fucking place so uh, that yeah. should and you speak won't be going back right there. Got, not until my mom or dad you know want to go to Red Lobster and come down for a meal you know <laughs> mom and dad like Red Lobster 
because I, exactly biscuit. what I said, you know, it's, it gives you that seafood. It's a, a slightly fancier place to go. Yeah. Growing up in and, Indiana, we didn't have access to seafood restaurants. So red lobster to us growing up was like a, it treat. was like a special event. Like, you know, yeah. graduation, you, you drive to Greensburg and we go to red lobster. You know what I mean? Fancy. Um, yeah. Fa- yeah. Fancy. Uh, so. <laughs> All right, well, that was our review of Red Lobster. Thank you again to Abishar for being here. But uh, uh, this was really fun. Um, yeah. One of my favorite episodes we recorded yet. Uh, you say that every time, too. <laughs> and as I say <laughs> with the special guest, I am lying 90% of the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I love all my babies. Okay, you know what to do. Close this out, buddy. I say, well, I say, I do declare, I, I thank you for listening to Burn Appetite's review of Red Lobster. And and now, boy, you go and listen to all the rest of the Cross the Streams media podcasts on our network. And we thank you for listening. Cross the Streams Media Podcast.